preach the Bible. I pray you help us, Lord, to be able to learn from your word. I pray that your Holy Spirit would meet with us. Lord, I pray that we would be able to uh, learn from the Bible tonight. In your precious name, I pray. Amen. Alright, well, we're there in Jude, uh, chapter number one. There's only one chapter there. And as I uh, spoke already, we've been studying through the book of Jude on Wednesday evenings. If you remember, uh, the last couple of weeks we've been, uh, we'll look at verse number 11. If you look at Jude number 11, the Bible says, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for a ward, and perished in the gainsaying of Cori. Uh, the last two weeks, we've been uh, using chapter, or verse number 11, as kind of the uh, outline, although we've been going all through the book of Jude, and we've been going through Second Peter chapter 2, and other references in the Old Testament. But in that verse there, Jude gives us three Old Testament characters that are examples of what a modern-day false prophet, false teacher, uh, unsaved individual would seem like. Not just an unsaved individual, but someone who's coming into the church to try to cause division or try to cause problems. And if you remember, two weeks ago, we talked about the, they have gone in the way of Cain. And we saw what we could learn about a false prophet in regards to Cain. Last week, we talked about the fact that they ran greedily for, uh, for reward. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, they ran greedily after the era of Balaam for reward. And we saw what we can learn about a false prophet in regards to Balaam. This week, we'll be looking at that last part where it says... They perished in the gainsaying of Cori. And then next week, this will be the last sermon in the book of Jude where we deal with the subject of false prophets. Even though most of the book of Jude is for the purpose of teaching us about false prophets. Next week we'll get into uh, you know, believers, the last part of Jude. That, that'll be the last sermon in the book of Jude. But this week we're, we're looking at that... The gainsaying of Cori, or it says, they perished in the gainsaying of Cori. Now you got to understand this, okay? Cori is an Old Testament uh, character, who in the Old Testament he's referred to, or he's called Korah. Okay? In the New Testament, his name is spelled C-O-R-E, Kori. In the Old Testament, it's spelled, in the English language, K-O-R-A-H, Korah. And that's in number 16, where you find a story, and we're going to look at that here in a minute. Uh, I just want to explain to you why. Sometimes, have you ever noticed as you read the Bible, sometimes in the New Testament, you'll have a different spelling of, the, of a name in the Old Testament. For example, you'll have like Elijah and Elisha in the Old Testament. The New Testament will be like... Like Elias, okay? Um, the reason for that is because the Old Testament was primarily written in Hebrew. The New Testament was primarily written in Greek. So even though there are English translations, there are English translations from different languages. So Korah, from the Hebrew translated into English, would be Korah. The Greek version of the name Korah translated into English in the New Testament would be Kori. So those are the reasons there. But Kori is Korah in the Old Testament. I just want to make sure you understand that. Keep your finger there in Jude. We're going to come back to it. But go to Numbers, chapter number 16, and if I were you, I'd put my bulletin or uh, ribbon or something there in number 16, because we're going to be going back and forth between Jude and number 16. you got to understand this, okay? What can we learn from Korah, or Kori, in regards to uh, what we can we can learn from them for what we can learn from a false prophet in uh, the New Testament today, okay? I want you to see three things about Korah that we'll see in the New Testament as well. But you got to understand this, okay? The reason for these examples, Cain, Balaam, Korah, are to 
show us the characteristics of a false prophet, a false believer, a wolf in sheep's clothing, someone who's came in to, to, make, to do harm. So the first thing I want you to know about Korah is this. And the first thing I want you to know about, about these false teachers that have crept in unawares is that they have a problem with dominion. They have a problem with dominion. Now, did you, are you there number 16? We're going to come right back to it. I want you to have your finger there. Go, go back to Jude real quickly. And let me show you this. Uh, look at Jude, uh, verse number 8. Jude, verse 8, the Bible says, Likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh. And I want you to notice this phrase, despise dominion. Do you see that? The Bible says they despise dominion. These false prophets, false teachers, Korah type people despise dominion. They have a problem with dominion. Now you may ask, what does dominion mean? The word dominion, and we could go through and show you many examples in the Bible. I'm not going to take the time to do it. You can do it on your own if you like. But the word dominion, what it means is this. Someone having the power or authority to rule. When someone has the power or the authority or the structure to rule, to be the boss, to be in charge, a Korah type individual is going to have something against that structure. Have you ever met someone? It doesn't matter where they go. They could be at school. They could be at the job. They could be at a ball game. It could be church. They are always just constantly just going against the leadership. doesn't matter who they are. Doesn't matter. It's not that it's a bad leader. It's just they, they have a problem with leadership. That's what Korah uh, represents. That's what these false prophets represent. The Bible says they despise dominion. Now keep your finger there in Jude. Go back to number sixteen. Look at look at this. Number sixteen is a very well known story that happened to Moses. Remember Moses in the Bible, the great Moses, one of the greatest leaders. Uh, I, I don't know if I should say greatest leaders. One of the greatest men in the Bible. Uh, he didn't accomplish much as a leader, but that wasn't his fault. He just had really bad followers. And, you know, you'd be a great leader, but if you've got a, a lousy bunch of followers, then you may not accomplish much as well. Joshua, not as a great spiritual man as Moses, yet accomplished way more for the, for the cause of, uh, of God. Not, and Joshua was a good man, don't misunderstand me. Wasn't as great of a man as Moses, but yet he accomplished much because his followers were great. He had great followers. So you got to understand this. You can't say, oh, uh, that the business isn't succeeding and it's the boss's fault. It may be the boss's fault, but it may be the employee's fault. Uh, you know, so something for you to keep in mind. Number 16, look at what it says, verse 1. Now Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and, okay, so we got Korah, and Dathan, and Abiram. Those guys are going to come up later, so I want you to make note of that. The sons of Eliab, uh, and on the sons of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. Okay, so I want you to see this. These three guys, Korah, Dathan, Ibiram, they took men. They gathered men. Verse 2, and they rose up before Moses. Notice, Moses the leader. Moses the man of God. They rose up before Moses, look what it says, with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. So Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, they go out to the congregation. You've got to remember, the children of Israel, there's millions of them. Okay? They go out and they find 250 men. These aren't just any.
anybody. These are 250 princes. They are famous in the congregation. Men of renown. I mean, these are well-known guys. They gather 250 people. Verse 3, notice what they say. And they gather themselves together. I want you to notice how the Bible works this. Against Moses. They're not there to help Moses. They're not there to be an encouragement to Moses. They're not out there because they want to see Moses succeed. They're there because they're against Moses. Look at that, verse 3. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, notice what they said. Now, you've got to understand this, okay? What they're saying sounds like they care about Moses. But the Bible already told us, the narrator of Scripture already told us they're against Moses, okay? But what they're going to say sounds like they care about Moses. Notice what they say. You take too much upon you. Moses, we're worried about you. Moses, you're doing too much. Moses, you got to understand this, okay? Gossip creeps into churches. You know how? Don't, no, somebody's not going to come up to you and say, Hey, listen, I, I'd like to gossip to you about Pastor Jimenez. I want to gossip to you about Brother So-and-So. I want to gossip to you. Wait till you find out what I saw sister so-and-so do. They're not going to tell you that. You know what they're going to say? Let me share something with you. Now look, I'm just sharing this so you can pray about it. Yeah. Their prayer request is, I, I saw sister so-and-so. She was doing this. Now look, I'm only telling you this because I, I mean, look. Whenever someone wants to attack someone, they always try to spiritualize it. They always try to make it seem like they're looking out. You take too much upon you, Moses. But notice what they say. They said, you're doing too much. And notice what they say. Seeing all the congregation are holy. Yeah, right. They're saying, look, we're all holy, Moses. Here's what they're saying. Moses, you're not just the most special person, right? We're all like you. Look, Moses went down in history as one of the greatest men who ever lived. I mean, Moses is constantly being referred to by Jesus Christ himself, referring back to Moses. The entire Bible is just constantly referring back to the law of Moses and Moses. Such a great man. And this guy, Korah, comes up and says, Moses, you're not special. You're taking too much upon yourself. Seeing, look what he said, seeing all the congregation are holy. We're all holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Now notice what it says. Wherefore then, here's the accusation, lift ye up yourself above the congregation of the Lord. They said, you're lifting up yourself above us. They said, Moses, why Why are you in charge? Why are you constantly telling us what to do? Why are you the leader? You're lifting up yourself against us, Moses. Now, I've got to understand this. Their problem is not necessarily against Moses. Their problem is against dominion. Because there are certain people who just despise dominion. They despise structure. They despise the fact that there's a leader. Look at the response of Moses, verse 4. And when Moses heard it, he fell upon his face. Moses did not retaliate. Moses did not sit there and defend himself. Moses literally fell on the ground and began to pray to God. Now you got to understand this, okay? Keep your finger there at number 16. We're coming back to it. Go, to, go, go back to, to uh, Jude. I want you to see this verse again. And then we're going to go to 2 Peter. Remember 2 Peter is a parallel with Jude, okay? So I've got to keep my finger in 2 Peter as well. Jude 1.8, look what it says. Likewise also, these filthy dreamers, defile the flesh, despise dominion. What does dominion mean? It means someone having the power or authority to rule. And when someone has leadership, when someone has authority, when someone has been put as a leader, a false prophet, 
it is going to have an issue with dominion. Now, I want you to see how it says it in 2 Peter chapter number 2. Go to 2 Peter chapter number 2. Do you remember, we looked at all the parallels between Jude and 2 Peter. They're very, very similar. 2 Peter chapter number 2, look at verse number 10. I want you to see how it says it in 2 Peter chapter number 2, verse number uh, 10. 2 Peter chapter number 2 and verse 10. I was in 1 Peter, so let me get to 2 Peter. 2 Peter 2 verse 10. The Bible says, but chiefly, remember, we're still talking about false prophets, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh and the lust of uncleanness and despise government. You see that? Now in Judah says they despise dominion. In 2 Peter says it des- they despise government. Now you gotta understand this. When they say they des- when the Bible says they despise government, they're not talking about like the United States government. Okay? The word government means a system set up to rule and to govern. Do you understand that? So they despise the system of government. And by the way, let me tell you this. As Christians... We ought to stand against the wickedness of our government today, but we ought not be anarchists. You understand that? We're not against government for the sake of being against government. Okay? The government today is wicked, so we ought to stand against it. But these people are just against the idea of dominion, the idea of government, the idea uh, of someone being... Here's what you guys say. They're against the idea of someone being in charge. And let me tell you something. The Bible says that there will be people who will creep into churches and they'll begin to expound and they'll begin to talk about... There's going to be people that come to Verity Baptist Church. You mark this down. There will be people that come to Verity Baptist Church and they're going, they're not going to say it to me, they're not going to say it out loud, but they're going to begin to go around and start gathering, and usually they gather the key people. Is that not what Korah did? 250 men of renown, princes. They, they'll, they'll begin going to the key people and they're going to say things like this. What is Pastor Menesic he is? Why, why is he always telling everybody what to do? Do we really need a pastor? You say, people really do that? Go, go to Titus. Real quickly, Titus. You gotta understand this. Today, there is a huge movement in Christianity that is anti-pastors. Are you aware of that? They're called the house church movement. Now, you gotta understand this. Verity Baptist Church started in a house, but we're not a house church. We were a church that was meeting in a house. Now we're a church that's meeting in a storefront. We could be a church meeting under a tree. But this house church movement, people get this idea. And there's literally thousands of people that are in this house church movement. Here's what they do. They say, we're in the house church movement. They go to church. They sit on a couch. And they all just kind of talk about the Bible. And there's no pastor. There's no leader. They say, we don't want a pastor. We don't want structure. We don't want somebody being in charge. What those people are is they, they, they just despise dominions. They despise government. They despise structure. You say, well, do we need a pastor? Well, the problem with not having a pastor is this. Having a pastor is very scriptural. Are you there in Titus uh, chapter 1? Look at verse number 5. Titus 1.5, Paul said to Titus, look what he says. He says, For this cause I left thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting. Notice what Paul told Titus. Crete was an island with multiple churches. And Paul told Titus, I left you in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting. He says, the churches in Crete have issues, they have problems, Titus. I want you to fix them. I want you to help them. Notice what he says, last part of verse 5. And ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. Do you see that? The word elder means pastor, by the way. Just, you got to keep this in mind. Elder, bishop, pastor, they all mean the same thing. They're used interchangeably throughout Scripture. I'll show you that in a second. 
Paul told Timothy, notice, he did not tell Timothy, I want you to start churches in every city. He said, I want you to ordain elders in every city. As I had appointed thee. He said, in the same way, Paul said, in the same way I ordained you, Titus, to send you out to go start uh, churches, you need to ordain elders. Look at verse 6. You say, well, what does it take to be an elder? Well, there are, there are qualifications to be an elder. There are qualifications to be a pastor. They're found in 2 Timothy, they're found in Titus here. Verse 6, it says, If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop... Now hold on a second. You see how verse 5 is said elder, now it says bishop? The, the term is being used interchangeably. For a bishop must be blameless as a sword of God, not self-willed. Make note of that phrase, because gonna, that's going to come up again. Not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre. That was Balaam, remember? Given to. The word lucre means money. But a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he had been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the... Notice this word, gainsayer. Do you see that? What did it say about Korah? It said they perished in the gainsaying of Korah. The word gainsaying means, the word gainsaying means someone who is constantly bringing up a, uh, something negative disputing, or arguing, or contradicting. Now I want you to see this, okay? Why did God, why did Paul tell him to give him a, a, a leader? Why did he say to give him an elder, a pastor, verse 10? For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, look what he says, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not, for filthy lucre's sake. You know what? When somebody walks in to Verity Baptist Church, and they start bad-mouthing the pastor, you know why they're doing that? Because the pastor's the one that's going to call them out. Because the pastor's the one that's going to, look, it says whose mouths must be stopped. These people are bringing heresy and doctrine. They're anti. They despise dominion. They don't want a pastor. They don't want somebody keeping them accountable. They don't want somebody preaching to them. They want to be able to just do whatever they want to do. And that's what Korah was doing. Korah said, Moses, we don't need you. We can all be the leader. You gotta understand this. When there is not a... When, when everyone is a leader, there is no leader. You understand that? That's why most marriages are ending in divorce. You know why? Because men refuse to take the leadership role that God has given them in the marriage. And they say, well, well we're both the leader. That means there's no leader. Amen. When there is no leader, look, someone put it this way. An animal without a head is dead. And when it has two heads, it's a monster. And you're trying to run your marriage with two heads. Well, we're 50-50. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says a man needs to take a spiritual uh, leadership role. And we're not talking about, you know, we talked about it on Sunday night. We're not talking about abusing women. That's absolutely the, the furthest thing we're talking about. But the Bible says that God put men as leaders in the home, in the church, and in government. But men refuse to take the leadership role today. And, the, and Korah was trying to get rid of the leadership of the church in the wilderness. They said, Moses, we don't need you. And today there are people who say, we don't need a pastor. Why don't we need a pastor? Why don't we just all preach? Why don't we just all, you know, uh, 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 set leadership? Why don't we just all, uh, uh, you know, uh, why, why do we need a pastor in Do you want me to explain to you why you need a pastor in Menace? And I'm not saying you need me, but do you, you know why you need a pastor? You know why a church cannot run being... You know, just everybody being in charge. 
For one simple reason. Moses was there when things were good and when things were bad. If our church had no pastor and just like, oh, oh, we're just going to let all the men be the pastor. Okay? Some of you men, and I'm not trying to put you, I'm not trying to belittle you, but, but go back and look at how faithful you've been to soul winning. You know the difference between the pastor and the average man in church? The pastor's there every Saturday. The pastor's not missing. Look at the last time pastor you met is Miss Church. So well, you're the pastor. Exactly. <laughs> if, if, if the pastor showed up to the church the way you showed up to church, you wouldn't come to church. Like, well, he must not think it's that important. That must be what you think. <laughs> See, the reason there has to be a leader is because a leader is accountable for what happens. And let me, tell you, let me just tell you this. And I, I, I said this a lot when we were in the house, and I'll just say it again. If, if at Mary Baptist Church nobody shows up, you know what? My wife and kids will still have church. We'll still have service. Because they're important enough to be able to preach the Bible to. Amen. Okay? That's what a leader does. Amen. That's why there needs to be someone who just says, I'm in charge, I'm accountable. If nothing gets done, if no one shows up, Moses will say, if, if no one follows, I'll still follow. Korah wasn't going to be there. And by the way, where was Korah? Before number 16. A lot happened before number 16. In, in the children of Israel. So these people say, well, Pastor Mendes, we don't really, why do you preach every, uh, every service? Why don't you let some of the guys uh, uh, preach? When you read the Bible and study and soul win and do the things that you need to do like, like the leader does, then you can do it too. But the problem is most people, see, we all like to complain about the boss. The boss, he doesn't know what he's doing. But you know what? The boss is the one that started the business. The boss was there when you weren't there. The boss was the one that put his credit and his, and his money and his finance on. You know, it's easy to despise dominion. It's easy to say, well, the boss doesn't know what he's doing. The president doesn't know, and the president doesn't know what he's doing. Let me just tell you that right now. But you know what? He's the leader. He's in charge. He's the one that ran for president. I couldn't run for president or win. I got way too many sermons online. <laughs> despise dominion. It's a spirit that is a wrong type of spirit. They have a problem with dominion. Number two, I want you to see this. Not only do they have a problem with dominion, they have a problem with dignities. They have a problem with dignities. Go to Jude. Go back to Jude. Say, what's a dignity? Well, in Jude, I want you to see the, these words there. I don't, I'm not just coming up with these words. Jude, look at verse 8 again. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh. Look what it says. Despise dominion and speak evil of dignities. What's, what's a dignity or a dignitary? It's a leader who is worthy of honor or respect. When a leader does what he's supposed to do and he's worthy of being respected, worthy of being honored, go, go back to 2 Timothy. Uh, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy. We saw this last week, but let me just show it to you again. 1 Timothy, chapter number 5. First Timothy chapter number five, look at verse seventeen. We're going to look at this later on in the in the, in the Bible study. First Timothy five seventeen, but I want you to see this. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Do you see that? They should be counted worthy of double honor. That's a dignity. Someone who's worthy of honor. But you got to understand this. There are people who are going to come into church and they're going to despise dominion. They're going to despise the government, the structure of the church. But they're also going to despise anyone who takes a leadership role. Go to 2 Peter chapter number 2. 2 Peter chapter number 2. Look at verse 10. 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 10. 
But these, as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, look what it says, speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall perish in their own corruption. I'm sorry, that was, that was verse 12, although that said speak evil also. But look at verse 10, that's what I want you to read. But chiefly, them that walk after the flesh and the lust of uncleanness, and despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed. Do you remember, well, I told you to remember that in, in Titus? What does it say about a pastor? He can't be self-willed. What does it say about these people? They're self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Now I want you to understand this, okay? The Bible says these guys are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Do you remember the story of David? Remember when David was running from Saul? Remember Saul was running and David was running like a dog? David had done nothing wrong. David was completely innocent and Saul was unjustly persecuting him, wanted to kill him. Remember two times David had the opportunity to kill Saul. And both times he said, I will not put my hand. He said, I'm not going to touch, I'm not going to hurt God's anointing. You know what he was saying? He was saying this, Saul is a wicked king, Saul is not right with God, Saul is doing wrong, but he said, God anointed him, God made him king, I'm not going to touch him, I'm not going to, I'm going to here's what David was saying, I'm going to let God do it. And by the way, that's why David ended up being one of the greatest leaders in the world. I didn't say the Bible, I said the world. Because to be a great leader, you have to be a great follower. To be a great leader, you have to be able to understand what it means to follow. And David said, look, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not anybody. I'm not going to kill the king. And by the way, Saul was his enemy. And remember when someone came to him and said they were lying, but when they said that they killed Saul, David killed them. And they thought they were going to get a reward because Saul was their enemy. But David understood, you don't speak against... Look, let me tell you something. When God anoints a man, you don't speak against that man. And I'm not talking about following someone and being some sort of a cult. If there is sin in the camp, then you need to remove it. We understand that. You say, well, I don't like, it's not your place. David understood that. But these guys, they're not afraid to speak evil of dignities. They're not afraid to walk in and say, well, who does he think he is? I can do that. You can't even get out of bed early. You can't can't get out of bed early enough to read the Bible. You're going to stand up and preach three times a week? Really? I'd like to see that. Uh, you know what I love about my preach tonight? All the guys appreciate the pastor way more. You know why? They spent all months writing a 10-minute sermon. And they're all, oh, pastor, I'm so... I'm like, praise the Lord, amen. I'm going to do that three times a week, like six times as much as you're doing. <laughs> I'm not belittling, I'm just telling you. God puts men in leadership. And today we have this anarchy society. We don't want to... I don't want to be led by men. All throughout the Bible, God led His people with men. God did not choose a nation, He chose Abraham. God, He chose Israel, but He chose Moses. He chose Joshua. He chose Judges. All throughout the Bible, He chose David. He chose Samuel. He chose Paul. He chose Peter. God has chosen men. And by the way, those men better be living right. And those men better be everything they're supposed to do. And they better meet those qualifications. And they better be doing right. But God chooses men. Go back to number 16. They said, you put too much upon you. You you can't... We could all do... Moses, Moses, we could all do the job you're doing. Yeah, right. Verse, look, look what it says, verse... Uh, verse 5. And he spake unto Korah. Remember, Korah just attacked Moses. Moses prayed in verse 4, verse 5. And he spake unto Korah, and unto all the company, saying, Even tomorrow... Look, look what Moses says. 
Even tomorrow, the Lord will show who are His and who is holy. Now, you got to understand, Korah just got done saying in verse 3, he said, we're all holy. And Moses said, okay, let God show us who's holy. Look what he says. And will cause them to come near unto him, even him whom he hath chosen, will he cause to come near unto him. This do. Take you censers, Korah, and all his company, and put fire therein, and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be, look what it says, that the man whom the Lord doth choose, he shall be holy. Ye take too much upon you, ye sons of Levi. He says, look, you're the one that's taking too much, trying to do something that God never called you to do. But you know, here's what I like about Moses. He didn't defend himself. He just said, you know what, let God deal with it. Just what David did. Okay, you think you're holy? Look, and here's what he said. Let's take our censers, put fire on your censer, we'll all come and we'll let God choose. Moses was willing, here's what he said. I'm willing to resign if that's what you want. He said, but God better remove me, not you. Verse 8. And Moses said unto Korah, Here I pray you, ye sons of Levi, seemeth it but a small thing unto you, that God, the God of Israel, has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to Himself, to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord, and to stand before the congregation, to minister unto them. Korah was a Levi. Korah already had a job. He said, look, God already gave you a job. Why are you trying to get my job? And by the way, that ought to teach you. You ought to be content in whatever place God puts you. Verse 10, And He hath brought thee near to Him, and all thy brethren, the sons of Levi, with thee, and seek ye the priesthood also? Now notice what it says. For which cause both thou and all thy company are gathered together against the Lord. I want you to notice the phrase of verse 11. The last phrase in verse 11. And what is Aaron that ye murmur against him? See, these people not only despise dominion, they despise dignities. They were murmuring against Aaron, they were murmuring against Moses. Go back to go back to Jude. Look at verse 16. Jude 16. Jude 16, the Bible says, these, notice what it says about the, these people that have crept it unaware. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons and admiration, because of advantage. The word murmur means to be talking, it's, not, it's saying like, you're quietly, you're privately complaining about someone. You're bad-mouthing someone behind their back. Moses said, you guys are murmuring against Eric. You guys are murmuring against Moses. The Bible says they're complainers. And you got to understand this. There will come people into church who want to split the church. Have you, has anyone ever heard of a church split? I mean, I've heard of church split all, my whole life. If you don't know what a church split, a church split is, is one of these guys creeps in unawares and gets people to go against the pastor and they'll split the church. And, and you know, one and they'll, they'll try to take, take a group with them. Go to Acts chapter number 20. Let me show you. Acts chapter 20. I, I can't believe... I mean, has anybody ever heard of a church split? Raise your, I want you to raise your hand if you've ever heard of a church split. Okay. few of you have. I can't believe... I mean, my whole life... I've heard of... I, I was just talk, I was talking to a pastor just three years ago. I, 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 a guy came in, became kind of a leadership, took a leadership role, took 50 people out of his church. A church of 300. Took 50 people. Split them off to another church. Let me tell you something. That is wicked and wrong. 
You say, well, the pastor was wrong. Hey, listen, you go start a church, you go knock on doors, you go talk to people, you go pop people, you love people, you pray for people, you build your own church. You let somebody else, you know, do all the work so you can come in and steal 50 people, you are lazy and you are wicked and you're wrong. That's what the Bible says. These are murmurers. Reminds me of Absalom. Remember Absalom? He's, he stayed at the gate. Absalom, King David's son, stayed at the gate. The Bible says he won the hearts of the people by bad-mouthing his, his dad and then led a rebellion against David. Uh, Acts chapter number 20. Look at verse number 28. This is what Paul told pastors. This was Paul's advice to a pastor. Look what he says. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseer. The word overseer is another word for pastor. To feed the church of God which he had purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing, here's what Paul's saying, I know this, that after my departing, shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Verse 30, Also of your own selves, people in the church itself, shall men arise speaking perverse things. Look what it says, To draw away disciples after them. Do you see that? These guys are going to come in. you, you got to understand this. Not every false prophet is on TV, although a lot of them are. Not every false prophet is a pastor or a preacher. Some false prophets are going to be people who will come into the church and they will just begin to be here. They'll begin to take leadership roles. They'll begin to make connections and make friends. But the whole time, they're murmuring. They're complaining. They're bad-mouthing. And they're getting a group together. And their whole purpose is to destroy a church by splitting it. By taking, look at the last part of verse 30. To draw away disciples after them. That's what Korah was trying to do. These guys have a problem with dominion. They have a problem with dignities. They don't like leadership structure. They don't like a leader who's worthy of double honor. Go back to number 16. Let me show you one more thing. Number 16. Not only do they have a problem with dominion, and they have a problem uh, with with dignities. These people have a problem with disobeying. Look at number 16. Look at verse 12. Now you got to understand this, okay? Moses is a leader like a pastor. He's definitely in a pastoral type role. But he's also at the same time the leader of the nation, and he's a leader of the military. Do you understand that? So he's, he's a leader in a lot of different capacities. Look at verse 12. And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram. Remember these guys were mentioned at the beginning. The sons of Eliab, which said, we will not come up. Moses said, come over here, David and Abiram. We need to talk. I'm sorry, Dathan and Abiram. And they responded, we will not come up. That's That's like the president telling one of his employees, come over here. And they said, no. These people were defiant. Look at verse 13. Here, here's, why they, here's what it says. Is it a small thing that thou hast brought us up out of the land that flows with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness except thou make thyself altogether a prince over us? They're, they are accusing Moses of becoming a prince over them. Look, God made Moses over the people. In fact, Moses didn't even want the job. Oftentimes, Moses is trying to get out of the job. 
But God said, you're the man, Moses. You lead the people. And then they're attacking him, saying, Thou makest thyself altogether a prince over us. Look at verse 14. Moreover, thou hast not brought us into a land that floweth with milk and honey, or given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. Wilt thou put out the eyes of these men? We, look what it says, we will not come up. These guys are defiant. They're disobedient. They're saying they don't want to listen to leadership. They're saying they don't want to, they don't want to lead. Now look, you got to understand this, okay? Let's apply it to, to church life. Let's apply it to, to, to our, our, you know, the, what we're living in today. Go to the book of Hebrews. We're almost done. We're on, we're on the last point. There's really not a lot I want to say about Korah. But I want you to see this. Hebrews 13. Look at verse 17. Hebrews 13, verse 17. God has given you a pastor. And you say, well, I don't like you as, as, as my pastor. That, then, then go find a pastor you like. But you should have a pastor in your life. The Bible says that a pastor is a gift that he's given you to teach you the Bible, to, to make you accountable. Hebrews 13, 17, look what the Bible says. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourself. You say, was that talking about the pastor? Well, look what it says. For they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. The Bible says that you ought to obey and submit yourself to your leadership authority and yes, even your spiritual leadership authority. Amen. Now look, you got to understand this, okay? Some pastors take this to an extreme and it's not right. Let me just make this really clear. Pastor Jimenez does not want to tell you what to do in every area of your life. Okay? Some, I've, been, I've been to churches where like people don't, they don't buy a car without getting the pastor's permission. Let me tell you something. I don't want to lead that type of church. I've got enough trouble keeping my own life you know, in order, much less trying to figure out what percentage rate you need to get on your loan. Okay? That's between you and God. Okay? I don't care about that. But what I do care about is this, making sure you're spiritually healthy. Amen. And by the way, the Bible says this, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Here's why. For they watch for your souls. You need to understand this about a pastor. As they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. When God makes a man a leader of a church, the Bible says that that man needs to give an account to God for what happened in that church and for the people that God gave him. Look, I have to give an account for you. for they watch for your soul. Now let me tell you something, okay? You should not, because a lot of churches are like this, you should not just follow whatever the pastor says because he's the pastor. You understand that? If you ever do anything at Verity Baptist Church and your reasoning for doing it is because that's what the pastor likes, you are wrong and you've never heard that from this pulpit, that, that has never been taught around here. You ladies say, I wear a skirt. Well, why do you wear a skirt? Because that's what the pastor likes. I only care about one lady, what she dresses, and it's not you. Okay? 
So if you're saying that to people, well, I wear a skirt because that's what the pastor like. I don't know where you got that from, but you've never heard that from this pulpit. You better make sure whatever you do, it's because of the Word of God. You better make sure it's a conviction from the Bible. You better make sure you got it from the Bible. Don't do anything because of this guy. My job is not to tell you what to do. My job is to teach you the Bible. But when the Bible is preached, you got to submit yourself to the Word of God. To the authority of the Bible. People are going, well, we do that. Why why do we do that? Because I don't know. That's what the pastor says to do. Wasting your life. Obey them that have the rule over you. Submit yourselves. For they watch for your soul as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. So you've got to understand this. But there are people out there who do not want to be told what to do. Go to 2 Peter. We're, we're almost done. I know I said that. But we actually are almost done. you just got to stick with me a little bit. 2 Peter chapter number 2. Let me just show you these verses. We'll run through these verses and... and and we'll get going. Second Peter chapter number two. I lost my place here. Second Peter chapter number two. And look at verse number ten. Second Peter chapter number two and verse ten. The Bible says, "Which in times past." I'm sorry, man. Good night. I keep getting myself in First Peter. Second Peter chapter two, verse ten. Okay, are you there? Uh, but chiefly, them that walk after the flesh and the lust of uncleanness and despise government, I want you to see these two words. Presumptuous are they? Do you know what the word presumptuous means? Overstepping bounds. Taking liberties that have not been given to them. I was telling the ushers in in our meeting, you know, the, the scary part about, you know, once a year or so I preach a sermon about serving, and I try to get everybody excited. You, need, you should be serving, you should be doing something. But the scary part is that some people try to take, you know, overstep their boundaries. It's like, I'm preaching on serving, and they're like, Pastor, you know, don't worry about Sunday morning sermons anymore. I'll take care of them. <laughs> now, I don't think that was on the list. You know what I mean? Um, how about uh, helping with the cleanup? You know? uh, people try to take, you know, things that were never offered to. You know, I'd rather they do something that we need, you know. Presumptuous are they, but look, self-willed. You know what the word self-willed means? They are governed or ruled by their own will, not willing to submit to the authority of others. Go back to Titus, just real quickly. Go back to Titus. By the way, this is why the Bible says that a pastor... Go back to Titus, look at what it says. Uh, chapter, uh, Titus chapter 1, verse 7. For a bishop must be blameless as a sword of God, not self-willed. Because my job is not here to submit to my own authority and try to get you to do things that I want you to do. Do you understand that when people are following a man and it is for the purpose of that man and just doing whatever that man tells them to do, whether it's in the Bible or not, that is a cult. Do you understand that? Verity Baptist Church is not a cult. Bible-believing Christians are not a cult. You've got to follow the Word of God. And by the way, let me tell you this. My job is to preach the Bible. Your job is to submit to the Word of God. If you don't submit to the Word of God, guess what? I'm still your friend. I still love you. I still pray for you. But my job is to preach the Bible. But these people are self-willed. They don't want to be told what to do. They don't want to be told they're wrong. So what do we learn about these false prophets that have came in unawares? They have a problem with dominion. Structure. They have a problem with the dignities, the leaders. They are defiant. 
Let me just tell you something. When somebody walks out of the church and says, I don't care what Pastor Jimenez says, I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z. That is, a, that is a spirit of Korah. You know why? Because I've said this, I've said this, I, I, I've said this so many times since we started Barry Baptist Church, and you know, I'll be honest with you, I've never once had anyone take me up on it. But I would look, look, if I preach something from this pulpit, and it's wrong, and you can come to me and scripturally, with the right attitude, show me from the Bible, hey, Pastor Jimenez, you said X, Y, and Z, and here's why it's wrong, the Bible says here, I'll, I'll say, hey, look, you're right. Because you know what? My job is not to be self-willed. My job is to submit myself to the Word of God. I'll stand up and say, hey, I was wrong about that. You're right. Praise the Lord. High five. But you know, when you are, I can't, I can't believe he wants to... Look, you know, if Samuel was all upset. Remember, Samuel was leading the children of Israel. They said, Samuel, we don't want you to lead us. We want a king. God told Samuel, they haven't rejected you, Samuel. They've rejected me. And you better remember, you, you walk out of here and you're all mad at the sermon. Just remember, you're not mad at Pastor Jimenez, you're mad at God. I didn't write it. I didn't write the Bible. I'm just preaching. My job is to just preach the Word of God. And look, you can be mad at me, that's okay. I can handle it. I don't, I'm used to people being mad at me. Good night. Be mad at me if you need to, but that, that's okay. I'll still love you, I'll still pray for you, but you just got to remember this. The promise is with the Word of God. It should be with the Word of God. Because anything that I say is my opinion, you, you can just... Not listen to it. My opinion has no value. My opinion means nothing. Do you understand that? That's why Verity Baptist Church, have you ever noticed this? We preach a lot of Bible, and I don't really give you a lot of my own opinion. Because it doesn't help you. Okay, let's look at two verses, we're done. Hebrews 13, go back to Hebrews 13, look at verse 7. People have this idea. We don't need a leader, we don't need a pastor, we don't need any of that. Actually, I said we're going to look at two verses, I'm sorry, I just realized we're going to look at four verses, okay? But we're going to do it fast, okay? Hebrews, Hebrews 13, look at verse 7. I got, it's, it's 8, 12. I got three minutes. We can do it in three minutes, okay? Hebrews 13, look at verse 7. Hebrews 13, verse 7. Hebrews 13, verse 7. The Bible says this. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow. You say, should we really be following a man? If he's a faithful man, you ought to be following him. Whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken to you the word of God, whose faith follow. I don't think we ought to be following a man. The Bible says you ought to be following those who have the rule over you. And by the way, let me just say this. Very Baptist Church is a pastor-led church. Amen. I just want to make sure you understand that. We are not a deacon-led church. We are not a board-led church. We are not a committee-led church. There is no committee that tells me what to do. There, you say, I don't like that. That's a biblical position. The Bible says that a church should be led. Did you notice these words every time we're reading verses about the Bible? They that rule well become the worthy of double honor. The Bible says that a pastor should rule. The Bible says a pastor should teach. The Bible says a pastor should be the one. Now look, I'm not saying that I should just be up here just doing whatever I want. Because I guess what? I have to submit myself to what? The Word of God. And you, and you say, well, how do, how do we check you, Pastor? You read the Bible. You study the Bible. You show yourself approved unto God. And if you can see something that's unscriptural, then you can call me on what's unscriptural. But until then, you, there's a pastor at church. Amen. There's never going to be a committee. We're never going to take a vote on what kind of uh, uh, carpet should we put in the new sanctuary. Whatever the cheapest carpet is, because that's what Pastor Jimenez decided. Amen. That's the truth. Literally, look, you, you think I'm joking, but literally churches have split 
over the color of a carpet. You think I'm joking, but that is the truth. Churches have split during building projects over the color, you know, that they're going to paint the walls. Because they get these committees, and everybody's got a vote, and I'm upset at this. There is no committee of every Baptist We may have deacons, but guess what? There'll be no deacons board. This is a pastor-led, elder-led, bishop-led church. It's not about Pastor Menace. When Pastor Menace is dead and gone, and the new pastor shows up, if he's preaching the Bible, you follow him too. Amen. That's what the Bible says. Amen. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. Look at verse number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, verse 1. How do we check you, Pastor? Read your Bible. <laughs> follow along in the Scripture. That's, right. That's how you check it. Make sure what I'm showing you is actually right. The Bereans, the Bible says, they search the Scriptures daily whether those things were so. What things were so? The things that Paul was teaching them. They didn't have a bad attitude. They didn't have a, 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 an attitude where they were complaining or murmuring. But when Paul taught them something, then they went home and they read the Bible and they said, yep, there it is. Okay, that's what your job is, to read the Bible. Your job, notice, we're, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm constantly trying to get you to read the Bible. Nine chapters a day, let's read the Bible. Your job is to read the Bible, make sure what I'm preaching to you comes straight out of the Bible. Checks and balances. First Corinthians chapter number 11, look at verse 1. Paul said, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Are we really supposed to be following a man? If he's following Christ, you follow the man. When you stop following Christ, you stop following that thing. Because we are to follow Christ. Okay? Go, go back to number 16. We're going to look at number 16. We're going to look at Jude and we'll be done. Number 16. I want, you to, I want you to understand this. We should follow faithful men. But you got to understand this, okay? Jude 1.11 says this. They perished in the gainsaying of Corey. The word perish means they died. You gotta understand this. People who constantly have a problem with leadership, not just at church, but at school, they're always against the teacher. At, at work, and they're against the boss. At church, they're against the pastor. On the road, they're against the cop. At this, they're against, you know, look, I don't like cops either, but guess what? They can give me a ticket. They're there. I don't like the president, but he's the president right now. I'm not going to go, you know, just, I'm going to go make my own country. <laughs> I don't like the pastor. I'm going to go make my own church. Do you meet the qualifications? I, I'm just, I'm here to explain to you something. People who constantly have issues with leadership, everywhere they go, issues with leadership, issues with leadership, issues with leadership, those people are going to be failures in life. Let me show it to you. Number 16, look at verse 15. And Moses very wroth, and said unto the Lord, Respect not thou their offering. I have not taken one ass from them, neither have I hurt one of them. Moses, here's what Moses is saying to God. Don't respect them, God. I haven't taken anything from them. I've only been doing what you told me to do. Verse 16. And Moses said unto Korah, Be thou and all thy company before the Lord, thou and they and Aaron tomorrow, and take every man his censer, and put incense in them, and bring ye before the Lord every man his censer, two hundred and fifty censers, uh, thou also and Aaron, each of you his censer. So God tells all of them, bring censers, and I'll tell you who's going to be the leader. Verse 18, And they took every man his censer, and put fire, the, uh, fire in them, and laid incense thereon, and stood in the door of the tabernacle of the congregation with Moses and Aaron, and Korah gathered all 
all the congregation against them unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the congregation. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, Notice, they show up for the meeting, right? God's going to appoint the new leader. Who's it going to be? Notice what God says. Verse 20, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, A voice from heaven comes down and says, Moses, Aaron, get out of the way. At that point, you better be thinking something bad's going to happen. <laughs> Verse 21, That's what God told them. Separate yourselves from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell upon their faces. By the way, this is what a good leader does. He's still praying for them. He's still loving them. And they fell upon their faces and said, O God, the God of spirits of all flesh, show one man's sin, and will thou be wroth with with all the congregation? And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the congregation, saying, Get you up from about the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Moses rose up and went unto Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spake unto the congregation, saying, This is what Moses says, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men, and touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sin. So they got up from the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram on every side and Dathan and Abiram came out and stood in the door of their tents and their wives and their sons and their little children and Moses said this is what Moses said hereby ye shall know that the Lord hath sent me to do all these works for I have not done them of mine own mind Moses said here's how you're going to know that I didn't put myself in charge God put me in charge God made me the leader verse 29 if these men die the common death of all men or if they be visited after the visitation of all men then the Lord hath not sent me. But if the Lord make a new thing, I don't know what's going on with that. Maybe just turn that down. But if the Lord make a new thing, and the earth open her mouth and swallow them up with all that appertain unto them, and they go down quick into the pit. So I just turn this mic off. I'm going to turn it off. I'm almost done. Just look at, look at verse. I just want you to see this. Into the pit. Good night. Then ye shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. Look at verse 31. And it came to pass, as he had made an end of speaking these words, that the ground clave asunder that was under them, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up, and their houses, and all the men that appertained unto Korah, and all their goods, they and all that appertained unto them, went down alive into the pit, and the earth closed upon them, and they perished from among the congregation. God literally opened up the earth and just ate these people alive. Dropped them straight into hell. Korah. And this was God's way of telling them, you're not the leader. Moses is. Let me tell you something. You say, I don't like the leader. If you don't like the, the leader of Verity Baptist Church, look, I'll be the first to tell you this. Find a church that you agree with. Find a church that you can follow the, the pastor and join that church and get involved. And go. But see, here's what people do. They get mad at the pastor. They just want to quit church altogether. That's wrong. You don't have a problem with the leader. You have a problem with all leaders. They pastor your ministers in sin. Then go find a church, a pastor you can lead, and get involved, and read your Bible, and win souls, and do right in that church. Do you understand that there's other churches? Go find that leader. If you don't like this one, but don't just quit. Don't just be against leadership altogether. Don't just say, we don't need any pastors, we don't need any dignities, we don't need any dominions. That is the spirit of Korah, and the Bible says those type of people... Let me just tell you, I'm warning you right now, people will creep into this church... And they'll try to split this church. 
They'll try to send people off. Lord willing, we never have a split at Verity Baptist Church. Amen. But it may happen. You know, I need to be vigilant. I need to be watching. I need to be preaching sermons like these. I've said this before. You guys kick me out as a pastor. I'm starting a church next door. And I'm preaching against you guys now. But you know what? You say, you say, but you say, if you say, I have a godly leader, then you ought to submit to him. If you say, I have a godly pastor, I have a godly pastor's wife, I have a godly pastor's family, then you ought to love him. And you ought to submit to him. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for our church. Lord, thank you that we can preach sermons like these. Lord, we don't have a problem with Korahs in our church. We're preaching it because we're preaching through the book of Jude. But preaching preventatively does help in the future. And Lord, I ask if men ever creep in unaware, trying to split this church, Lord, I pray there would be godly people who would stand up to them and say, no, we're not murmuring around here. We're not complaining around here. You're welcome to stay. But if you don't want to be here, then go somewhere else. Father, I pray you'd help us to be a church that's united. United not by a denomination or a name, but united under the Word of God. Father, we love you. In your precious name I pray. Amen.